maybe not what you're thinking, but I am not a social influencer when it comes to getting paid a lot online for tips for backpacking, hiking through the woods, but I'd love to share some free tips. You know, as we start off fishing opener and start off into the spring and summer kind of camping, I don't know if you're a comfort camper, if you like your pop-up camper or your RV and like going 10 feet next to your neighbor at the campground and listening to their generator all weekend. I love to put everything in the backpack, go on the superior hiking trail or the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, and get off on the trail and have everything I need right here. So um, I wanted to just show you what, what, is, what is the indispensable kind of items you need when you're backpacking, because you got to take everything with you, but you don't want to do what I did when I was in high school and I was hiking in Banff, Canada, and I said, I really like Dinty Moore beef stew. So I carried a big old can of Dinty Moore beef stew up the mountain. That was a big mistake. But what are the, what are the basic items uh, you need for your indispensable hiking items. First of all, you need this one pound nice sleeping pad. One pound. Condenses down to this. You can actually sleep while you're camping. Pretty nice. You don't want to carry dinty more beef stew, so I got some pad thai freeze-dried food. Cooks up real nice. Someone said, ooh. This is really good, really good. You know, if in case of emergency, nice lightweight emergency blanket. One time my wife and I were hiking uh, up past Gooseberry Falls, and we saw these guys, it was, it was early spring or sometime, and uh, they were coming, they were literally shaking as they were walking down off the trail. They had decided to go lightweight hiking, and they didn't have sleeping bags, and it got down to, like, freezing. So take the emergency blanket. The bear bag, this is, uh, this is a must if you don't want... Uh, Critters coming in your tent or uh, getting on the campground, you just put all your food in the bag and then throw up the, the rope and around a tree, you're good to go. Nice bear bag. Right here is my camp stove. This fits on a little can of, of gas and I can cook what I need to for food, very lightweight, right there. So, of course, you need a lightweight headlight, okay? There's, uh, for free, you know, if you need to consult me for anything else of great hikes, being in Bear Lake is a good day in, day out, or even a hike for the day up on the, up on the trail, but, but there you have it. So, so we're in the series, um, Indispensable Love. We're going through 1 Corinthians 13, and we're, we're going with pastor, with pastor, with Apostle Paul, as he's describing what is the essence, what is the nature of of God's love. And so no matter what gifts we have, no matter what we accomplish in life, no matter what we attain, as great as they are, without love, they're nothing. And so the only thing, the one thing that's absolutely necessary is God's love, his indispensable love. Let's go through the scripture today. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 to 6. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Here's our big idea for the day. 
speaking about the great exchange. So the great exchange happens when we continually unload the weight of our sin, our efforts, and our self-centered ways for God's perfect love. That's the great exchange. So first of all, speaking of this love, what it's not, Paul lays out a lot for us, and basically the love that he's describing here is that which we can't produce on our own. It's not a pretty picture. If we try and produce love on our own efforts, in our own ways, in our own human capacity, it's basically a Hollywood tabloid picture, right? It's not a good thing when it's coming out of our resources. My friend and pastor Ephraim Smith uh, spoke when we had our no, Men's No Regret conference in February, and in his seminar on marriage, he was basically telling us we have, we're called to love our spouse um, in, in a way that's beyond our abilities. And so he says this, you don't have the power in yourself to love your spouse the way that God desires. That not only goes for a spouse, that goes for for family members, loved ones, anyone. We don't have the power in ourselves to love people the way that God desires. And so the only way that we can do that is if we surrender. Say, God, we can't do that. You're calling me to love with this perfect love. And we we surrender and we say, God, I give you permission to, to love my spouse, to love my loved ones, those around me. I give you permission to love them the way that only you can do. And that's when we begin to experience the great exchange in our lives. Our weighty, our human, self-centered love for God's ultra-light, perfect peace and love. Doesn't that sound good? That's the great exchange, folks. Let's go through just this verses and the qualities that Paul tells us. First of all, love, love does not dishonor. Honor is the love language for most men. Ladies, if you want to honor your husbands, tell them they're your Job 29 man. See, you know, most people have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman, the qualities of a godly woman in Proverbs 31. Well, the answer for that for men is Job 29. Job is recalling going to the city square where young men stepped aside and old men rose to their feet and and leaders were hushed because they respected him so much. It says in Job 29, 11 and 12, whoever heard me spoke well of me and those who saw me commended me because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. Men, if you want to receive honor, Do something honorable. Invite God to do some work of justice and some work of compassion, his perfect love in and through you. And people will recognize it, and they will give God the glory. Love does not dishonor. Secondly, love is not self-seeking. A great way we can can practice a non-self-seeking love is just with good, active listening. You know, many times we don't, show God's love and the way we listen. And people just need people to listen to them. And we, we tend to make it about ourselves. Someone opens up and shares something important. And we go, yeah, that reminds me about blah, 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 blah. Just listen. Showing God's love is giving love without strings attached. 
I heard this week of this couple that are suing their son and daughter-in-law for not producing grandkids for them. Obviously self-seeking love. I'm in this for what you can do for me, kid. Love does not dishonor. Love is not self-seeking. Thirdly, love is not easily angered. A short fuse is one of the Shortest ways, clearest ways to see we're not walking in God's perfect love. We're walking on our human effort. In Galatians 5, before we get to the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patient kind of goodness, talks about the acts of the flesh. Listen to how many of these are easily angered. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and so on. The acts of the flesh show up and being easily angered. And we need to make that exchange. Say, God, I can't do it. Would you let your love flow in me and out me? I need your perfect love, not love that's easily angered. Next, love keeps no record of wrongs. How many uh, wrong keepers do we got here? Right? It's, It's easy to be Santa, right? Making a list, checking it twice. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Penner, uh, Pastor Kenneth Chafin talked about a couple he had met. They had, been met. they had been married 40 years, but it wasn't a pretty picture because they ruthlessly kept a record of wrongs for one another. He said, they destroyed their marriage with the pencil of memory, but never took any off with the eraser of forgiveness and love. God calls us, in the Lord's Prayer, to daily receive his forgiveness and to forgive others, to get rid of those record of wrongs. Finally, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Paul's talking and referring here to someone he was talking about earlier in the Corinthian church that was living in sexual adultery. And the world around us wants to say, hey, whatever feels good, feels good, it's right. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, convicts us of our sin. So we don't rejoice in evil. But then we receive that grace. And we receive the ultralight forgiveness of God and His peace. And we, we walk in that. So that's what it's not. That's what love is not. Secondly, what, what it is. Paul describes a love here, an indispensable gift of love uh, many, in many characteristics of what it's not to show us what counterfeit love is, what love is on our own efforts. One commentator noted that we could go through the list of the phrases in 1 Corinthians 13 and exchange all the times we see love for the word Christ because this love has its source directly from God. It's not human love. It's not all these things. As we look at these phrases, it's obviously that we are describing a style of life beyond our own human efforts. We need the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to help us to let this perfect love, this love from above, come in and through. And while 1 Corinthians 13 is kind of known as the love chapter, we hear it often in in weddings, in contexts like that. I tend to use 1 John 4 more often because I I feel 1 John 4, the Apostle John, as well as Paul, 
kind of narrow in on what this perfect love truly is. Let me read from verses 16 to 18. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Pretty simple, isn't it? What is love? God is love. If we live in love, we live in God, and God lives in us. And in this world, it says we are like Jesus. That's the goal, to surrender to him and to be transformed more like him. It's like the New Hope t-shirts on the back, becoming less like ourselves and more like Jesus. That's the invitation. That is the great exchange. And I don't know about you, but I want that love. I want to decrease so he may increase. I want to be a sweet fragrance where someone says, what was that? Well, it wasn't me. (laughs) It was Jesus. The Apostle John shows us simply the proof of the great exchange in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The word complete is telos. It's, it's the end of a rope. It's, it's perfect. It's complete. And we receive that. We see God if we love one another and let that love come in and through us. John goes on in verse 20. He says, we can't love God and hate our siblings. Can't say you love God and hate your brother. You're a liar if you're doing that. And I don't think John is being judgmental. We can feel guilty about this. Oh, I'm not doing a good job loving my family, right? He's not being judgmental. He's just showing us ultimate reality. This is ultimate reality, God's love. And this love doesn't hate one another. You know, we can, uh, we can deny gravity all we want, right? But it's a reality. It's a law of nature. God's love, we can deny it too, but it's the most ultimate reality. In these passages, John and Paul are trying to show us what love really looks like. Here and elsewhere, we get the essence of what God's love is, and it's that It's that which binds everything together. God's love is the force, the greatest force in the universe to to change us, to transform us, to let us live in that love and show others that love. The only indispensable thing is the love of God. And so, church, how do we we take this and, and, and put it into action? What's a practical application I was listening to a Christian psychologist, Glenn Pickering. He was being interviewed on Bill Arnold, uh, one of the radio hosts of AM 900, Faith Radio. And uh, Bill Arnold's a great guy. He used to be part of the Christian comedy Triple Espresso. And he was interviewing Glenn, and he said, be a second responder. To be a second responder is to not do what we normally do, is just make knee-jerk reactions where we don't really think, but we 
take a couple seconds and we invite God in. God, how do you want me to respond in this situation? Be a second responder. A huge part of, of being believers, of growing and becoming more like Jesus is, is learning to slow down and to, to seek God's face and allow him just in a few seconds to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do here? In relational struggle, when we're, when we're struggling to see people the way God sees everyone made in his image, when we're struggling to see people in that, in that light, pause and ask God, how do you want me to view this person? How do you see this person? How do you want me to act, Jesus? And, you know, 98% of the time, if we do that, we can get it right. But most of the time, we, we don't think. We don't, we don't even make a decision. It's not a bad decision. We just make a knee-jerk reaction. We were talking about this in recovery a couple weeks ago. Addiction is just a repeated way of living with knee-jerk reactions, living life without making decisions. But if we pause, whatever our hurts, habits, or hang-ups are, we can invite God to make that great exchange. The great exchange happens when we continually unload the weight of our sin and our effort and our self-centered ways for God's perfect love. Anyone want to make that great exchange today? Anyone want to exchange the weight of this world and the weight of sin and the weight of shame and the weight of failure and the weight of the lies of the enemy and pick up the ultra-light peace and love of God? That's what he invites us to. A couple weeks ago, I was talking with a counselor in our community who deals with really heavy cases. Kids who have been abused come through this social service. And they said, how do you do it? How do you work in these heavy, heavy cases? And she said, you know, as we're doing this interview, I can actually see their shoulders physically move and some of the weight of the trauma be released. I said, that's powerful. I see that in freedom prayer. When we confess our sins and we go to God, and people say time after time, something fell off, and something came in. Church, that's the great exchange. We don't have to carry our sins, because Jesus' yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And he invites us, to that great exchange. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, what Jesus was saying to him, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Another verse Psalm 33, 22, it's not up there, but it says, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we have hope in you. I don't know about you, but I want the love of Christ to rest upon me. I don't want the weight of this world. I don't want my sin. I don't want my past failures. Shame, you can just check in at the door. You're not welcome anymore. May the power of Christ rest upon me. 
So church, I'm going to pray, and I invite you to, in your hearts, make that great exchange. I invite you to come to the altar to pray with the prayer team. Let's leave some burdens with him. Let's make this great exchange. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for your great love. We just want to thank you for what you're doing. You are real. You're the ultimate reality. Your love, nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Jesus. And we just call upon that love today. Lord, we come to you. We confess our sin to you. We thank you for any conviction. We thank you for what your Holy Spirit is doing through uh, your word, through uh, each believer here. Thank you, God. We just, we give you permission to do your work right now. Would you take any burdens from us so we can walk in your love? We don't want to be easily angered. We don't want to be a record of wrongs. We don't don't want to be a love that's self-seeking. We don't want to dishonor others, God. We want to be filled with your perfect love and love others with that love. Christ, would you rest upon us and love through us? May we walk out different today with your perfect peace and your perfect love. And we'll give you all the thanks and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.